Hello and welcome to Emotional Support Witch, a podcast about learning, healing, connection and all things witchcraft. My name's Steph. And I'm Yella. Welcome to episode two. Yay! (laughs) So just as a little prerequisite before we start the episode, we pulled the Empress card last time and a big theme in that is about motherhood and feminine energy and femininity and being a woman. And that's a lot of the themes that we talk about in this episode. And we just want to make sure before we get started that everyone feels included and that we talk about these things with love and inclusivity. And we're not sure if we got all the vocabulary right all the time, but please know that our intentions are there for this to be inclusive and to resonate with whoever it resonates with. Um, and that we believe that we all have feminine and masculine energy. And we really believe that there's this big nuance, um, of people. So we want this to be, um, as inclusive as possible to everyone. But if you felt like there was anything, please let us know because we're always happy to learn and to expand the way that we talk about things. So last time we pulled the Empress, which we were really excited about because it was a major Arcana card, which felt very exciting and also felt very much about female empowerment and female energy, which was something that we really wanted to talk about on the podcast. So it was nice that it was the first card that we pulled. So I'll give a little recap of some of the keywords that came up after pulling it and then that will kind of prompt us into our discussion of it this episode sounds great stuff let's hear so the empress the queen feminine power matriarch mother fertility pleasure luxury beauty success initiative evolution movement marriage wealth overattachment, domestic upheaval delay lack of creativity and waste. So some pretty interesting words there. Was there anything this week that really stuck out to you, Yella? The feminine power and the fertility is something that was on my mind for the last week, just because for some reason I had a lot of conversations about being a mother or being parents and how I think the generation of our friends or like the people around us we're really late and getting, I mean, we're in our mid late twenties now and we have friends around us that are even a little bit older. And I think in our parents' generation, everyone had kids at that point. And I feel like there's quite a hesitation in our generation to become parents, at least with, with some groups of people, obviously not everyone, but especially in our bubble maybe. But I do think there's still a wish there. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really poignant, especially with what's going on at the moment with in America specifically with Roe v. Wade. And we don't want to get into it very much, but I think it was interesting that that was the card we pulled. And then that's what's been happening this week. It really does like showcase that this is still a huge issue and a huge just topic, good or bad issue, not issue. Um, you know, motherhood is part of like literally the oldest part of being human, isn't it? Because that's how we, that's how we keep going as a, as a species. And so it's interesting, I guess, how that's developed in the 21st century right now for different groups of people in different places across the world. I think it's a really poignant issue. No, it definitely is. And I think like, it's just about being able to make choices ourselves, which we've been fighting for for so long and now it's maybe taken away from some of us which is really the the issue about all of this because it's still 
a patriarchy, I guess. And one of the words was matriarch, wasn't it? Yeah, so matriarchy. We're moving into a different world, a different, different time now. Everything is so much different than it was 20 years ago. We're moving so fast, but the wish is still there to, to have children or to be a mother in some way, but it's just changing so much and it's become so much scarier, I feel like, mm. to, to take that step. Yeah. My biggest point there, I guess, is like just about it being choice and specifically choice for the mother, for the, you know, the person who's going to have the baby. It should be because I think throughout our history, you know, without contraception or, you know, within the different patriarchies that have ruled, it's never really been the female's choice to have a baby. It was just like, oh, you're pregnant again. You know, it's my 13th kid or you have it so that your husband can have his heirs, which is just, it seems really counterintuitive because being a mother just seems like such a natural instinct that most women have. And so why has it never been about the woman's choice to have that? Like, and even now, you know, it does seem like at every step in so many cultures throughout history, pretty much it's just been unfortunate to be a woman. Um, yeah which just honestly just seems so counterintuitive to what the Empress card is about, which is giving life, you know, and women are there giving life. We're giving birth, you know, and it is so natural. And yet it hasn't been able to be a natural choice that women have been able to, you know, embark in this amazing experience. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about the Empress card. What does it mean? So I was doing a lot of research this week and obviously the main theme is about motherhood and pregnancy and fertility um, and about sensuality. Um, but it also, it was really interesting in my research and this is what resonated with me quite a lot because we're not mothers and it has a lot of connotations towards motherhood. The thing that was really interesting about when it said about fatherhood was like if you were a father and you got this card was that um, it was kind of assigned to show your more nurturing side to your children, you know, like to really embrace that side of nurturingness um, for your family. But it said that, you know, if you weren't a mother or a father, that the Empress card was about creativity. And I, I really resonated with that because I feel like that's kind of another way of, of giving life of like, you know, giving energy into something, creating something, um, creating life, creating art, cr just the art, the act of creating, you're like giving something new to the world. So that's really how it, it resonated with, with me this week. A lot of the, the card was talking about embracing your softer side and about nurturing yourself and then therefore nurturing other people and being there to like look after other people, which I also thought was really cool because that's kind of why we called this emotional support, which is because we often feel very drawn to maybe nurturing or like looking after or having that instinctual instinct of wanting to care for people. Um, and that's really, I think when you get down to the basis, what the, the Empress card is about, which I think is why it's so cool that it was our first card. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. Like thinking about motherhood in a way maybe not like actually having children, but like in another way, I guess the mother archetype is in a way you can use it for anything. Like you, you can be mothering towards your friends. You can be mothering towards yourself. You can be mothering towards your creativity and really is, is something that everyone needs in their lives. Like in some way, um, 
by by nurturing ourselves and by caring for us um we mother ourselves and we we grow bigger like and brighter um as we would want for our children yeah no exactly it was genuinely talking about embracing your softer side and allowing yourself to explore your emotions and your feelings and listen to your intuition which i do feel like is often because we live in a patriarchy you know and just society in general is about distracting and not feeling what you feel and you know honestly scrolling for hours so that you don't have to think about anything or you know people turn to alcohol or drugs or all the cliche things just to distract themselves from what they're feeling and I think that's something we've been trying to work on this last year is like feeling everything (laughs) and we feel everything quite deeply so it's not like that's an easy thing to say but by feeling everything you learn so much and you're able to grow and then have so much empathy for other people when they're feeling things as well yeah and I felt like because I've always felt a lot but when I was growing up when I was a teenager I thought that it was a bad thing Mm. and it's so much easier now to just let it through like let myself feel it and be like yeah that's just me and like other people might feel differently and in a different way and that's also fine but like I'm not too much for feeling all those things that I'm feeling and for having like quite emotional reactions to everything and but I think we we very shortly touched in that last episode I think about just that we need some more feminine power in our society like not necessarily just female leaders but like feminine energy energy. exactly Mm. Exactly. And I think that's, that's what motherhood gives you as well. It gives you the, the feminine side of things. It gives you the, the softness. It gives you the caring. It gives you delight inside you to like create things. I guess it allows you to come outside of yourself. Like it's not just about, I think we are so much in our own heads and have quite an individualistic view as a society currently. So I guess being a mother just allows you to just have all these feelings for someone outside of yourself. And that's something that I think we could all do with is just being empathetic and seeing what other people are going through and and being able to support people. Um, and yeah, because I, I guess the, the narrative for so long has been man up, don't feel things, which is literally the opposite of what this Empress card is saying, is to feel it, be in touch with it, be in touch with that softer side with the emotions so that you can be there to care for other people. And that is that, that feminine energy. Yeah. And I think it's something as well that we haven't let mothers like actual mothers with children do enough because it's kind of like seen as something so natural that she cares for her children all the time. And now probably has to also work because we live in a world of inflation and we'll never be able to afford anything anymore. Like both parents have to work now, whatever, if they're mother and father, if it's two mothers or two fathers, whatever, like all of them have to work, but naturally she cares for the children as well. And if she goes out with her girls or whatever, if she, if she goes on a spa weekend, if she leaves her children alone for her work, it's like, oh, you're not a good mother, but actually by caring for herself, she is a better mother because otherwise she'll not have the energy anymore. She still has to be a mother to herself as well. And I think we we forget that, especially with mothers, but with anyone really, that 
they they have to care for themselves before they can care for others. Yeah, I think because we both work in like caring roles where we actual job is to care for, you know, students, for other people. And it's so easy. Like, I think we have this idea with mothers where you sacrifice yourself for these other beings. Um, and I guess it is that balance. I think, I think a big theme of what we're going to be talking about throughout the entire podcast is going to be about balance. Yes. Um, because I, I truly think that that's where everything, you know, I don't think things in extreme are beneficial. I think balance is what we're going to always come back to, but it's the, we have always had this idea that you have to sacrifice yourself in order to look after someone else. And that was definitely an idea that I took into my caring job of, you know, if a student sent me a message, I wouldn't be able to, you know, I had to answer it now, even though it was completely out of work time hours, or, you know, if someone told me something during the day, I'd take it home and wrestle with it and feel all those things for that other person, which is obviously the sort of superpower we we're talking about earlier of being able to feel things really strongly and feel things for other people as well. But it really was not benefiting me very well. And I think we both have reached po different points of feeling the effect of burnout, of just being like, wait, I haven't been looking after myself because I've been trying to do so much for other people and now I cannot do either. Yeah, so I think that that's definitely something. I think really everyone struggles with not looking after themselves enough, which is part of why we did this podcast as well, I think. Mm. So I think that that's what the, the Empress can really, really give us on our journey is make sure that you care for yourself, that you are your own mother um, mm. and that you look after yourself first because you're the most important person in your life, I guess. I really like that because I've also been thinking a lot about like your inner child and like, you know, talking a lot about how the things that you say to yourself, like, you know, if you're not good enough or whatever, but like imagining you saying that to you when you were a kid and like, it's such a strong kind of like visual thing to do because you're just like, I would never want to hurt, you know, little Steph. Like I would never say that to her now. Why am I saying that to me now? You know, like, and so I think that's a really nice way to say that you have to be the mother to yourself. Yeah. Like think of yourself looking after your inner child because your inner child is coming up in every single, you know, you're not always conscious of it, but she's coming up all the time. So if you're able to care for her and look after her, then I guess it can be a lot more conscious and kind and maybe it's easier to be if sometimes it's hard to be kind to yourself but maybe it's easier to imagine yourself as you were as a child and be that you can be now the mother to that and maybe work through some of those things that you felt as a kid yeah I really like that yeah one of the things that it said was about nurturing yourself more and listening to your body's signals and just I guess if you're more conscious of the things that you feel, you are just therefore more conscious of how your body feels because so much of how we feel affects us physically as well. And so I guess it's just about like noticing your body's signals, whether that's physical or emotional or mental or spiritual, but just like knowing yourself to the point where you're like, oh, I do that when I'm stressed. You know, maybe I should, is there something I'm stressed about? Or, you know, just like listening to your body and being really in tune to what it's telling you. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I mean, that's like one of the first things that you learn when you, you go to like therapy, at least if it's like CBT, I think it's the like, what do you do when before mm -hmm. you don't feel bad? What do you, what are the things that you, you realize that you may be doing or not doing before you go to that point where you're really, really anxious or depressed or whatever it is. And yeah, I think it's just, but even picking up before that, because I think, I think I've 
been getting quite good to like picking up oh okay I'm my room is really messy I'm not eating regularly mm-hmm. this means I'm stressed and I'm getting anxious but even before that even when I'm feeling good picking up on all of that just being like oh I'm hungry I should eat now and not like oh no but I have to finish this email first no like just listen to the the little signs even and then if you do it every day then it becomes easier as well to listen to the big signs that your body gives you or like make the yeah yeah definitely I think that if we could get anything from the podcast I think we'd love people it's about building that habit and I think we spoke about it last time about building rituals and putting these things in place where you're looking after yourself now you know in the moment you're trying to feel what do I feel what do I need to do in order to to feel okay now and not letting it build to the point where you're so overwhelmed just so anxious I mean obviously life's going to happen and things will happen and you'll feel different things but if within your everyday you can put things in place that you know help you or you're able to be conscious and recognize these signals then I think that's how you can continue like we want to thrive in life like I do feel like it's become so normalized that everyone's just kind of surviving all the time you know it feels like everyone has anxiety everyone is struggling all the time and I know we've kind of found that when we meet up with people everyone's like yeah how are you like no I'm shit but you know (laughs) it, it just seems like that's just how it is at this point and it's like no that's not what I want my life to be and I guess putting those little day to day things in practice of listening to yourself allows you to then build the bigger things to like actually build the life that you want to live no definitely I think that's very important the just the little rituals for yourself Mm -hmm. that are so human to us they're like so familiar to humanity because we've always done them but we kind of just now our rituals is just looking on Instagram and that's a bit sad yeah but we still do it we still have that like remembrance almost like don't know like um collective unconscious thing of like oh doing the same thing again and again like getting on your phone like sometimes I'm like just on my phone and I'm like oh suddenly I'm on my emails and it's just something that I like do it's just like but we don't use these rituals like for ourselves anymore we just kind of waste them on technology I think yeah and it's such a hard process because your brain is literally wired to these things because we've been conscious of that and I think a lot of people are conscious of how social media isn't helpful or you know everyone will talk about just scrolling for hours and hours and feeling guilty and wasting time but it's still really hard to stop yourself but I have found that slowly slowly you know you notice it a bit sooner so instead of like an actual hour going by before you realize that you've been scrolling endlessly I will realize and then I set little things for myself be like okay at 10 past I'm gonna stop you know like I don't know I have to put something in place that no I do that too because like your brain you're being fed all this stuff it is really really difficult so but I think the first step is being conscious of it and then just slowly trying to do it a bit less or stopping a bit sooner or you know there's just all these little things that are really hard but it is the day-to-day things yeah that will help but I think I really think like finding something else is always Mm. like a good way at least for me like that really helps because these things are like calming because they are ritualistic and I do think all these social media platforms like people that create them they probably know all that stuff they know what 
people react to. They know how the brain works. Yeah, exactly. Like otherwise they wouldn't be so powerful. Mm-hmm. And just being like, okay, like I can scroll on my phone for a bit, but then maybe after that I'll go on a 10 minute walk or I read a book for 10 minutes or I do something other that like kind of still feeds that need that I have of like shutting off my brain or like just distracting myself just doing something differently I still do that but I try to find alternatives and it doesn't always work but I think it's easier than just saying okay I can't have any of this it's just like okay maybe not the phone maybe I can find another distraction because it's fine like we we do want to like sometimes calm our brain down and just like not think about anything which is important as well in our journey of caring for ourselves I think but just like yeah finding other little ritualistic things instead of always like going back to the easiest way mm. it's like healthy coping mechanisms isn't yeah. it um and maybe this goes back to the, like the crafts that we were talking about last week as well oh, yeah. because like you know sat crocheting or making a ring or um you know doing something else because like I would find that when I was watching something I would still be on my phone at the same time and you know that for me is like one of my biggest red flags of like okay are you okay (laughs) you know but like it does mean I still love watching things I watch so many documentaries we love we make films so you know we love it's not about not consuming media but it's about being conscious of that and I think that when I draw while I watch something or when I you know use my hands to do something instead of scrolling it is yeah it's about finding those old like just better alternatives and then you end up with like a ring afterwards and you've like you feel like you've achieved something as well as opposed to I think sometimes just the endless scrolling you feel like not only have you not achieved something but you've wasted something and I I think that's not a nice feeling for people to sit with because then that leads to guilt which you know it just it just becomes this whole cycle yeah I'm really trying to stay away from all these apps that give you that like false feeling of achievement because there are lots of them where you like just play these little games and then you whoa you've done this you even like I mean even though I try to to learn another language and I use Duolingo and even Duolingo it's like yay you get a reward because you achieved something and it's just like that kind of like false thing of like going back to your phone because you think you achieved something so yeah I'm trying to stay away from from those apps as much as I can and like actually like yeah just do something with my hands because that kind of like just something you achieve that you can actually touch is a different feeling than like achieving something Mm. yeah Mm. I mean it's so interesting because we have friends and we work in education ourselves but that is a whole teaching technique now it's like gamifying learning because that just is the way that people's or like students, especially young people's brains work now is needing that constant, like, you know, red, like stars or, you know, like needing those little levels in order to feel, feel fulfillment or like feel achievement. And it is a dangerous sort of slope, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. I don't think it's necessarily just a bad thing. I think there's many good things about it too, because it is nice to feel like you've achieved something and you like, but like, yeah, if you just do things for that adrenaline mm-hmm. feeling, it, it becomes dangerous, I think. Hopefully the education system will slowly change and we will have to adapt it because we're changing so rapidly. So it has to has to go and it, c- it could go either way, but hopefully it goes in a way that is a bit more supportive of the individual and of individual learning as well. Mm-hmm. As we said last time, I think <laughs> literally a whole there will be wait for episode. the card that <laughs> prompts us to to have a sh- big old spiel about the education system again. 
But something from the Empress card that I, I really liked were, was that it was kind of a sign to start or to continue your spiritual journey um, and to like nurture your spirituality and your creativity, which I, again, I was like, that's what we're doing. You know, like that, that feels like our intention of what we're trying to create. Um, and so that felt really nice because it's about like balancing maybe your spiritual and personal growth with your creative growth and the output from that, I guess, which goes into the mothering thing again of, you know, creating something, putting new, something new, um, into the world. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't have picked a better card, I guess. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah. And I don't want to not talk about the, you know, the, I don't want to say biggest mother, because <laughs> Um, so I don't know how to phrase this. I don't know where we're going with that. <laughs> Mother nature. Oh, I didn't know how to. Um, I guess she is the biggest the mother. The biggest mother, like the OG <laughs> mum. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's about reconnecting with nature and just that feeling of we're all connected. We are all one. And, you know, we do come from something bigger than ourselves the empress does also talk about um you know connecting back with nature um and s which is the main life giving power one of the quotes someone said the empress was the woman clothed with the sun mm, i like that and yeah i really like that no i mean mother nature obviously is a very very important thing for for us in our spiritual journey as well and i think there is a movement of people like wanting to connect more with nature because we've been in cities for so long now and while it's great and I mean I love London especially I'm still so green which I really like anywhere you go there's still mm. parks and trees but it's still something different to to actually go into nature and it's always so healing just to take some breath and like just feel the nature and literally my number one coping mechanism I think for you two is just going on a walk mm -hmm. it's just like whenever I feel overwhelmed it's like okay let's just go outside yeah it just like helps expand your perspective doesn't it like when you're stuck in your room stuck in your head is even worse but you know being in nature just there's so much perspective there's always something to learn from nature whether it's springtime and there's new growth or whether it's winter time and you know it's cold but we're surviving like I just feel like being out in nature just helps you feel more at place in the world like helps it not feel like the entire world revolves around you because it really yeah. it really doesn't it really <laughs> Na doesn't nature helps no it's that perspective I mean I have it with the ocean most but it's really with anything a big forest or mm. a lake or whatever it's just like oh we come from something bigger there's so much that's bigger than me and it's it's really liberating just to be like okay like I can go outside my head and like mm -hmm. I can just give myself to nature and everything will be fine in the end. Mm -hmm. Because think of all the people who've stood on that ocean, you know, stood there looking at the ocean before you or been in that forest while the trees were smaller or looked up at the same stars. Like there's just something about it that just helps you see things in a different way that I think we get quite claustrophobic um, in the sort of modern urban life that it it makes you feel like you don't question anything you just go on you, you do your job you come home you make food you go you know like you get into this this routine and you feel like oh that's what life is to just go from this thing to the next thing to the next thing that you don't stop and just nature just allows you to take a breath I think yeah. you can just go outside and go it's okay 
is yeah. okay. Definitely. And the last little bits of what I was looking into about the Empress was that it advises you to trust and recognize your own intentions and it like reopens it talks about responsibility as well which I guess is an interesting aspect of motherhood is responsibility but I guess yeah just being responsible and it not being necessarily a negative thing but it's just for me I've been trying to change the way I look about look at responsibility and it's maybe about just being conscious you know you're you're conscious of the ramifications or you know you know that everything you do is going to have a certain effect on yourself and on other people and on the world Um, and you can't control all of those things but you can if you're conscious and you're present I guess you can think about it and then trust your intuition to go with the right the right thing not that there's a right thing but the right thing for you Mm. and that is also being conscious about how it affects the people around you but like putting you first because you are the mother to your child and you have to look after yourself first but then also be conscious about nature and the other people and everything and then I think there is like a right decision for you not necessarily Mm. a right decision for everyone but like the right thing for you to do yeah no I like that the last thing I wrote down was it said to take full credit for the supportive part you play. And I was like, ooh, I think that's something we miss as well sometimes is, you know, you you help people, you try your best or, you know, good job. You know, <laughs> not everyone is there like looking out for other people. Not everyone, you know, so it's to be proud and to really appreciate the effort and the energy that you put into other people and into yourself and knowing or trusting that there will be fruit from the labor yes and I think it's like very important to because you won't always get that from other people you won't always get a thank you you won't Mm -hmm. always get a well done but if you just say it to yourself that's enough like you can just be proud of yourself be thankful for yourself just just tell yourself like give yourself a clap on the shoulder be like yes that that was good you you did good today Mm -hmm. um or even Maybe you didn't do so good, but you... You, you tried. You, you tried. <laughs> You're hanging in there. Uh, and I'm proud of you for that. So, yeah, I think that's maybe something we, we could try to do more, like just telling ourselves, like, yeah, well done. Good job for getting up today. <laughs> Honestly. But, yeah, <clears throat> I guess that will help in the greater, longer journey of not needing external validation. But, exactly. you know, nurturing and mothering yourself to the point where you're so proud of yourself like you would be your child you know just for trying just for doing your best um just for being yourself I think that's the the biggest sort of lesson from the empress exactly and if you have that then you're you don't need that other people to say that anymore and then you have a better chance to doing the right thing for you because you're doing it for you and not for the other people and I think that's that's a good aim for life (laughs) it's what we're striving for yes well i brought you something as well which is a little history lesson i was thinking about the empress in a little bit of a different way i was just thinking like oh powerful women and um obviously our podcast is called emotional support which you know it's like oh last time we talked about the history of summer solstice which is really interesting why don't we talk about some witch trials in the uk this time so i brought you a little story we'll see how this goes um it is um quite mad (laughs) love it i have to say (laughs) i love history i love witches so i am very excited yeah so this um is called the the pendle witch trial so pendle is a little little small town in the uk and 
it was all taking place in 1612 so quite a while ago mm -hmm. and our story starts with a young girl named Alison Device she was just going on a walk you know and she encountered the peddler John Law on her way to the forest so yeah she was actually like just going to the forest like taking our advice being going on a little walk and she asked him for some pins so in the 17th century metal pins were like handmade and very expensive but they were said to be needed for magical purposes so some of that was like healing just like very um old medicine like treating warts for example but also said like love magic and all of that um it was also used for so that might have been the reason that Alison wanted to get a hold of them and she claims that she was trying to buy them but John Law's son claims that she begged and he didn't want to give it to him anyway he didn't give her any pins um we don't know why but a few minutes later Alison saw that John was stumbling and he fell which Looking at it now, people say it might have been a stroke. Um, and he got back on his feet and he reached a nearby inn. And he didn't even accuse her at first. He was just resting. But it was actually Alison who seemed convinced that she had caused his fall. And so Chanson Abraham took her to visit his father a few days later. And she asked for his, his forgiveness. So she was saying like, I'm sorry, I wished bad things on you. And then a bad thing happened to you. The local justice of the peace officer, so a officer of a lower court, um, that one was called Roger Noel, we will hear his name a bit more in the story, asked Alison and her mother, Elizabeth, and her brother James to appear in front of him. Alison, being convinced that she is a witch, said that she sold her soul to the devil and told him to lame John Law after he didn't give her the pens. James, her brother, also stated that Alison told him she bewitched a child as well. And Elizabeth said that her mother, so the grandmother of Alison and James, um, had a mark on her body, which is probably just a birthmark. But back then it was regarded as having been left by the devil after sucking blood out of you. Dang. Um, <laughs> they were also asked about Anne Whittle, also nicknamed Chatox, the matriarch of another family involved in magic around Pendle. So they were all already like known to have something to do with magic throughout the whole story there has been like accusations from both of the families so there's been thought to have bad blood between the families and Alison saw her chance for revenge and she accused Chattox to have murdered a few men by witchcraft and also her own father um, so the story about that is that John Device was scared of the Chattox family because there seemed to be powerful witches and he always paid them eight pounds of oatmeal mm -hmm. in order to have protection. And then one year he couldn't pay and in the same year he died. And on his deathbed he said it was because he didn't pay his oatmeal to the Chattox family. So then Dem Deeker, which is the grandmother of Alison, and Chattox had to appear before the charge novel as well and they were both already in the 80s and blind and really really old women but they both made confessions um dem Dika said that she had given her soul to the devil and chat talks which i thought was quite funny said that she had given hers to a thing like a christian man and that was a quote from, <laughs> the, the, from the 1600s <laughs> yes um on his promise that she would never lack anything and would get any revenge she decided so i'm like well good for you <laughs> 
<laughs> and Chattox's daughter Anne was also summoned in front of court, but she made no confessions. Although Damdika accused her of making clay figures, which was apparently seen as something witchy back then, where you like would make clay figures. I think it's a little bit like voodoo dolls back then. Yeah, and then there was also other witnesses. So one lady said her brother had fallen sick and died after a disagreement with Anne. Yeah, and based on that evidence, uh, Judge Noble committed all four women to Lancaster Gaul, which was a prison, to be tried for male fishium, causing harm by witchcraft. So then, that might have been the end of it. Those four women had to go in front of um, a big judge. But before they had to go to prison, they organized... Um, a meeting at Malkin Tower, the home of Demdika. It was held on Good Friday, the 10th of April, 1612. And to feed the party, James Device stole a sheep. And lots of friends and supporters of the um, family came and the judge Noel heard about it. So he started to investigate, asking who was at the meeting and what was the purpose of the meeting um, and what happened. And so eight more people were accused of witchcraft. So one of them had to go to the York as Caesars because she lived over in Yorkshire. But all the other ones, which are now known as the Pendle Witches, were tried in Lancaster as Caesars, um, together with the Salemsbury Witches, which I think are a bit more known. I've heard about them before. So then in August 1612, they were tried before the Lancaster judges Autumn and Bromley. And a prosecutor was again, Judge Noel. And there was one thing that stood out for me, was that the nine-year-old Shannon device, so she was the daughter of Elizabeth and the sister of Alison and James, was a witness, something that was normally not allowed. But King James um, made a case for suspending the normal rules of evidence for witchcraft trials. So in any other trial, a child wouldn't have been a witness, but in a witchcraft trial, it was allowed. The evidence for these trials was quite mad I thought because um, I'm just going to give you a rundown of what everyone was accused of and what the evidence was on why they then so most of them got actually convicted for their charges so Anne Whittle who was Chattox so the one of the old ladies she was accused of murder and she said she was not guilty but she made a confession in front of Judge Noel before and then it said and when I was reading about these trials that the first trial was probably under torture. So all the evidence they gave of saying, oh yeah, I am possessed by the devil or something was actually made under torture. So that was all. She said she wasn't guilty, but she had said it before under torture. So she was admitted with murder. And then Elizabeth Device was accused of multiple murders. She also said that she was innocent, but one of her eyes was a bit deformed. So her left eye was like a bit lower than her right eye and that was already seen as being a witch so if you had like a defamation in your face you were a witch and then her own daughter who was nine years old said that she thought her mom was a witch and that she made clay figures and that was all they needed oh my god to hang her in the end actually and then james device was also said to have murdered people and he also pleaded not guilty but he also made confessions under torture before and his little sister said that he thinks that he as a witch as well so he was also killed and Redfern was um, acquitted for two murders one of them she 
was found not guilty, but the other one, she was found guilty. And she was actually the only person who didn't give any evidence for anyone else. She just remained quiet throughout the whole trial while the others kept accusing each other of being witches. And then Jane and her son, Chun, Chun, <laughs> um, said they weren't part of the meeting in the Malkin Towers, but the nine-year-old Janet um, identified them and that was enough, like just being at the meeting was enough for them to be hanged afterwards. Alice Nutter was um, unusual of the accused because she was quite wealthy and normally it was more like the poor people that got put in front of trial because of witchcraft. But And the only evidence against her was, again, that Janet was saying that she was at the meeting and that James said she saw her speaking to her mother. So that was all they needed. And then Catherine Hebert was also found guilty of murdering a child um, because she said she was at the meeting and uh, someone said that she confessed the murder to her, but we don't know if that's true. And um, Alice Gray was the only one who wasn't found guilty um, and she was let free. And then Alice Device, Alison Device, the young lady who, who we started the story with, um, was the only one who encountered her alleged victim in court because John Law, the um, peddler who we met in the beginning of the story, was um, asked into court as a witness and she was confronted and she still believed her own guilt and fell on her knees and asked him for forgiveness. And then most of them, everyone except for Alice Cray, were hanged a few days later. And um, yeah, as I said, many of the allegations were just those two families making accusations against each other. And uh, years later, actually, a woman named Janet Device was also accused of murder by witchcraft, but we're not sure if it's the same as the nine-year-old girl who was the witness of the trials. And that was, um, yeah, like 30 years later, and the judges there said they wouldn't um, pass a death sentence anymore. So it was actually soon to be the end of witch trials after that. And today Pendle is known for its witches and it's actually quite a heritage and a um, tourism thing. So a lot of people go there to, to see the houses where the witches were supposed to live. And in 1998, the uh, um, people of Pendle um, signed a petition and um, presented it to the UK UK Home Secretary um, in order to pardon the witches, but he didn't. He decided against it. And um, Anna Goldie, she was beheaded 1782 in Switzerland, is thought to be the last person in Europe to be executed as a witch, and she was actually pardoned then years later in uh, the late 20th century. And that was the Pendle Witches. I think we maybe have to do a little journey to Pendle. <laughs> I definitely think we need to go to Pendle. That is insane. I mean, the fact that there's so much documentation and like you got all the names, the dates, the, you know, the fact, and that probably was just an example of something that was rife throughout the entire, not even the only, this country, but, you know, throughout Europe. Um, yeah. I mean, the the um, Pendle trials, as, as I said, they were... Um, in front of court with other witches from some Salisbury and from somewhere else as well. And yeah, everything was um, documented very meticulous, meticulously. meticulously. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah, we you can still learn about it today, which I think is cool, but also what? It's just, it's so interesting. 
I mean, the the injustice, you know, the having the nine-year-old as a witness who, you know, they, you said that they tortured the other witches into um, admitting things. So, you know, you have no idea what they do to a nine-year-old. Also, a nine-year-old doesn't know you know what she's talking about but oh, that would be such a big plot twist if that was her at the end yeah you know who like 30 years later got done in for being a witch as well yeah but like literally i was thinking about that other the, the sister Alison, who the story started with um it didn't state how old she was but i guess like if her sister was nine she was maybe like in her teens mm. like you know how you sometimes think you you're mad at someone when you're a teenager and then you're like oh i hope like something bad happens to them and then next day they actually like have a stomach ache and you're like oh, no I did it <laughs> what did I do and that that's literally what it sounds like for me with Alison she's just like a teenager who believes a little bit too much in well, like yeah and if you're in that society things. as well you know that just like really is it seems like throughout the entire society that believe that and especially I think it that, you know, that anyone who has like any sort of disfigurement to automatically be, you know, touched by the devil or to be a witch is like, well, you're clearly shunning these people from society and demonizing them. And then when they turn to alternative forms of making money or like maybe I think something that could have been a, a theme throughout history is like, you know, you demonize a woman for whatever reason, maybe the way she looks, she goes and just lives in a forest, becomes one with nature, learns about medicine and herbs and all these things. And you can just see how these things like escalated, you know, like what started someone being ostracized from their village because of the way they look or because of something else or them becoming at home in a forest and learning about nature and doing what it's like, you don't know what started what, but it clearly is just a really good representation of just when you don't understand things, how easy it is to, how everyone just wants something to blame or someone to blame and how most often throughout history women have often got the brunt of that as well and yeah definitely and I think it's like a very much a topic of our time as well because like I think now we're trying to be like oh if someone is different you shouldn't charge them because they look different or they behave different or they believe in different things but it's still very much so so ingrained and in us that we're like oh this person is different I feel weird about that and then maybe in the second thought like people like us or the people around us that we say okay you're different but that's fine that's totally fine you can be different and I think it's a good thing but like so many people still think different means bad yeah. or scary or whatever no that's so true because as you said we kind of know better now but we still do it. So you can only imagine back then when they literally didn't know any better, you're living in a society where you don't understand what's happening most of the time. Yeah. Um, and so you fill in the gaps and you find someone to blame. Um, and, or you, yeah, just you find ways to explain things that you don't understand. Exactly. What I found very interesting though, because I always thought it was many women who were um, yeah. accused of being witches there was actually two men and one of them James Device was actually quite a big part of the whole trial thing so that was interesting to me as well that it was it was mainly women but there was also men being accused of witchcraft yeah I would love to just be there just to like almost watch it play out um, yeah. yeah see what his involvement was or um yeah that is very interesting kind of changes the way that you you know stereotypically think about it 
but it's a big part of our history. And I think so often we have, or like the way that we look at society and stuff now is, you know, we completely dismiss which, you know, witches didn't exist. There's no magic. There's, you know, it almost seems like a fairy tale, but you know, it is part of our, our history and it's a real part of our history. And it, I'm looking forward to, to researching more throughout this process, I guess, of like what was real. Like they must've had such a oneness with nature where they, there would be people who really understood herbs and how to heal. And there would be people who, you know, I don't know. I think it's just interesting. I mean, I think like if people from back then would look at doctors now, they would say, oh, that's a witch. Yeah. Because they wouldn't understand what they are doing. And that's the whole thing. Like you don't understand something. So you think it's, mm. it's something bad. But in the end, I think we think of magic as something good. Magic is something good and like healing is something good. But like back then it was just like scary because they didn't know what it meant. And I definitely think that there was people who had healing powers or that there are still people that have healing powers that maybe can't be explained in a scientific sense but that's actually pretty cool i think that's very cool i'm very excited to to learn more about that that was a good like little taster <laughs> into what i'm sure is like a very full history not even just in england i mean in germany it'd be interesting to look as yeah. well and you know obviously there's quite famous ones in america as well and um so yeah lots of stuff to look into yeah definitely okay so i've just shuffled my tarot cards so that we can pull the card for the next episode um yella do you want to split the pack a bit and then pull mm -hmm. a card split in how just, just however feels okay right for you um and then the card that we pull will be the theme that we research into that we think about for the next week or so and what we're going to be talking about next episode so i'm very excited <laughs> okay i've laid them out a little bit very messy but that's my theme today mm -hmm. Ooh, ooh, the knave of wands interesting very interesting so we've had a very feminine card last week whereas this feels very masculine he's got flames coming out of him which i don't know for me gives off a very masculine energy yeah he looks definitely doesn't look soft he looks hard and powerful but also yeah quite interesting intriguing i think he has like a little tattoo of a rose i think oh yeah and a and letter, a letter. Mm, a messenger yeah and then he has a scepter in his hand as well and just yeah the fire all around him mm, he's like staring off into the distance like he's not facing us or anything is he which yeah i don't know makes me it feels a little bit con you know contemplative oh, i can't say that <laughs> um like he's thinking um, yeah and i can't really tell whether the flames are aggressive or not but they're like engulfing him and coming out of him at the same time, aren't they? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it can be both. It's like power and aggression maybe, but maybe it's also like a fire inside you, like a fire of creativity, a fire of ideas, a fire of doing something. I think it could, could be interpreted in both ways. Mm -hmm. So the Knave of Wands, news and announcements, messages arriving, courageous, Dark youth, loyal friend, decent character, a person to be trusted, 
inherited intelligence and skills, instability, reluctance, indecision, or rash of choices. Interesting. Very interesting. Messages arriving. Mm-hmm. Dark youth, loyal friend. A person to be trusted. Okay. That I guess that's interesting because from the last two cards that we've pulled, I've initially felt like, oh, you know, we can talk about this. Oh, this leads to that. Whereas I don't feel it as much with this, but then maybe that will be something to to just think about the rest of the week and, and do some more research and just see what comes up intuitively. Yeah, I think it definitely feels more like diving into something that's maybe a little bit unknown, but that's mm-hmm. quite exciting because like we can, yeah, we can research, we can find out things um, that we maybe don't know as well that we maybe wouldn't think about as much as with the empress it felt like quite uh, something that we would anyway talk, talk about. about yeah so no i think it's really really exciting that maybe it's something a little bit different mm. as well with that episode and i want to be on the lookout for um messages yes this week maybe because that's something i i am interested in is like maybe seeing signs and things you know and, and like little messages from from the universe from people or you know just seeing patterns and stuff like that so i don't know for me that's what's just come to me about being conscious and maybe it's about being present so you're just aware of your surroundings but um looking out for messages this week yeah messages maybe from mother nature mm-hmm. <laughs> or from anyone really mm. no that would be interesting i like i like that yeah are you gonna read me a word i'm gonna read you a word I have um, chosen a word from the chapter, The Interior Wilderness. I thought that was quite relevant to everything we spoke about. And our word is liberosis. Um, It's the desire to care less about things, to figure out a way to relax your grip on your life and hold it loosely and playfully, keeping it in the air like a volleyball, with quick and fleeting interventions, bouncing freely in the hands of trusted friends, always in play. And it comes from the Italian word libero, free. And a libero is also a position on a volleyball team that can move at greater liberty than other players, subbing freely and without permission with an emphasis on keeping the ball in play. It's pronounced liberosis. So maybe I said it wrong. So liberosis, the desire to care less about things. I love that because that kind of feels like what we're talking about balance, where I feel like when you think about mothering and that's a lot of about what we've been talking about this episode it feels very it feels more serious it feels more you're caring for other people you you know responsibility mothering whereas that balance of still being that child and being playful I think that's something I often think about like as adults I don't want to lose that sense of play that you have as a child so that's a really nice way to end it. I think the started on on mothering and kind of ending on playing and the balance in that, the nuances. Yes, yeah, nice. exactly. And I think if you like give yourself to to mother nature or even to your own inner mother, you, you can be that child because you can be both. You're going to be your own mother, but you're going to be your own child as well. And if you if you tell yourself it's going to be fine, whatever I do, like it's going to be okay. Whatever decision I make, whatever route I take, even if I get up today or not, then it'd still be fine that you, then you can, you can try and like care less about it and be a bit more free and just ride with the wind with whatever comes your way. I like that. 
Thank you for listening. My name is Steph. And I'm Yella. And this is our podcast about connection and healing. And we're on a journey to become witches. And we're happy for everyone who joins us and wants to come with us. 